The Blokebusters Podcast is a proud member of the Pod Bros Network, where you can find us as well as other excellent podcasts such as Sarcasm City, Worst Millennials, and Late Night Gamers at podbros.com. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy another episode of the Blokebusters Podcast. Tonight's story is somewhat unique and calls for a different kind of introduction. Today we are canceling the apocalypse! Wait a minute, wait a minute, you ain't heard nothing yet. And uh, this is? Lilu Dallas Multipass. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Houston, we have a problem. Have you tried turning it off and on again? Gentlemen, you can't fight in here, this is the war room. Now, where was I? Hello and welcome to what is probably going to be a rather subdued episode of Blogbusters today. I have with me my good friend Pat and Honor, and uh, we are going to be discussing Stan Lee, who recently passed away. And uh, so, yeah, thank you guys for coming on and doing this. Oh, no problem. Uh, uh, it's going to be brilliant if you guys are going to speak in unison throughout the entire episode. <laughs> wonderful. It'd be purpose. great. <laughs> that, that is that is the plan. Yeah, we're going for Echoalia. Say <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yes. Um, uh, we're recording this on the 18th of November, and last week Stanley didn't pass away, and uh, it was something that I guess wasn't really shocking to hear that he had, but was deeply depressing to know that he had gone. So, it's... well, did you all find it depressing? Because I feel like it was a more of a celebration overall. Because well, um... I don't think I I saw I saw so many people who were like sad to see him go, but like. Everyone all agreed, like, this is a celebration of a man who lived 95 years. I actually thought he was been dead for years, so I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I feel awful. I didn't realize. Yeah, I killed him a long time ago. And then, holy shit, he literally actually died last week. So I'm, I'm, I'm catching up, guys. I'm catching up to you. So, so I'm not quite, yeah. So you saw I mean, every, my... every single cameo in the Marvel film, he was like a Sesame Street puppet or something? Well, I just thought he filmed all at once right before he died. Like they just, they just <laughs> ran through and they just inserted him and then, you know, and then that's it. Uh, I was I almost completely wrong on this. So I apologize uh, to the San Lee estate. Don't worry. <laughs> they haven't gone the, the, the way of Star Wars just yet. Then give it give it a little time and then they'll start CGI him in but... <laughs> I mean, a Peter Cushing of a comic book. Yeah, he's coming back. <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy 3, 4. Yeah, it'll be, don't worry about it. Now that James Gunn's gone, they can put Stanley right in there as an actual character. Well, who knows? We might we might master the 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 uh, the art of the Uncanny Valley with him. <laughs> <laughs> but he was 95. Let's be fair. You know, I mean, it was to be expected at some point. And he was in failing health. I believe. In fact, this year, it was, it was his last year at Megacon. We have a big convention here in Orlando, and they said this was going to be the last time because he was retiring from making public appearances because basically he's in poor health. The guy was, you know, he had to be shuffled around. Not as yeah. bad as Tim Curry. He's not the drooler in a wheelchair like Tim Curry is, who's hidden behind the curtain like the fucking Oz, you know, the great and powerful. He wasn't that bad, but he was getting to the point that, you know, he knew he had to slow down, and, well, he did. He, 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 did. he, fu- he full stopped. Yep. He did, but it was still amazing how engaging he was. Even oh, at he was. Yeah, I can't. You know, I am not going to have all my faculties tonight. I'm telling you right now. I'm, I'm like two years away from shitting my pants already. <laughs> so this guy managed to keep all his faculties at 95. He was sharp as a tack. It's amazing. That's an amazing. That's an amazing feat these days, considering Alzheimer's happens to every you know third person. No, I still uh, the thing. For me, like you know, talking about the legacy and all that kind of stuff. The thing that was really touching to me to see 
for me being a comic fan and all that, I, I, I occasionally saw Stanley putting out tweets all the time that were like funny or stupid or whatever, because he's just Stanley, always putting crap out there. But this one video they put uh, that the so there's somebody who runs his Twitter account. There's of course like he's not. I don't think he's up to date on the most recent technologies. But uh, the person who was running the account he posted a video and he said, uh, just so you all know, this is something I stand record. We just caught him off off key. We weren't recording for a bit. We weren't doing anything. I just recorded this while he was just sitting there and he was just talking about the fans. And it was this really, really touching video about how, how the fans just continue to give him energy and yet the fans also like not just giving him energy but the fact that he gives so much back to them and they give so much back it's like a simple you know goes back and forth he said like it's the one thing that kept them going for years and years oh yeah to know that like the fans could take so much joy in him as he in them you know it was just really kind of cool it's like wow even just a few days ago that's how he or just a week or two ago that's how he still felt about his 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 place in life Exactly, and just wait till they start going through his phone and they find all that footage of him in a in a seedy cosplay strip club, you know, just <laughs> passing out one dollar bills. No, to, that's uh, just Deadpool. Scarlet Witch. <laughs> yeah, right next to Deadpool. But yeah, he no, gave, it, it was, was a symbiotic so relationship with his uh, audience. You're absolutely right, Patrick. It was a symbiotic yeah. relationship between. So energy was definitely going back and forth, and that really, I think, that obviously kept them going for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's amazing. That's an amazing thing to to achieve um, to have that kind of stature uh, that for that thing, that long. At ninety five years old, you'd be able to say like, "I love my fans," but I I need to just take a step back. <laughs> I well, like he would have could have done that at like eighty, and he could have gone off the map like Steve Ditko did. Steve Ditko, he's like, "I'm in my seventies. I'm out." He has yeah, been, he was done. <laughs> he was out. Stanley's like, "I got another round." <laughs> <laughs> to prep for this show, and I'll I'll give a shout out to it. There's a, a great doc, uh, not a great documentary. There is a documentary on Stan Lee's life on Amazon Prime. You can go watch it right now. It's called With Great Power: The Stan Lee Story. It's from 2008. Now keep in mind, yeah, you're interviewing 2008 people like Brett Ratner, Paris Hilton. So please forgive some of the some of the people they fucking talk to. And Patrick Stewart in a porn star mustache. Uh, you definitely have to see it for that, if nothing else. But after I watched it, you know, I watched and I watched this whole guy's life, and they go through the whole story, and they, you know, he's still puttering around. I felt I felt like the laziest asshole on the planet. I mean, this guy is constantly working. I I struggled to get out of bed this morning just to, just to watch the damn thing to prep for this show. I got to give a lot of credit for that. I, it's inspiring just to keep moving, I guess, <laughs> because this guy really worked and he loved doing what he did. And that's I mean that's all you can ask for, I guess, right? Well, talk about yeah. like that. Remember I, I mentioned that video uh, in the video that he said like people say like, well, why don't you ever retire? He's like. Why would I ever retire from the one job I just get the most joy out of? Yeah. Like he didn't he didn't think of it as work. He's like, no. I get to just go in and just screw off and do weird do weird things with people and they people love it. Why well, would I- also yeah, he got to the point where he could do that, where he had enough yeah. money. He was a figurehead and he really just could just pop in and out. He wasn't like he blew all his, you know, like a homeless guy in the street type of thing, to, you know, tempering out his career. You know, he had a he still had a venue and an outlet to be creative, uh, you know, and had the and the money and, and the lifestyle yeah. to to support that. They just think like uh, not only like I want to say like four, three or four years ago he was still putting out TV shows. <laughs> I'm not gonna be doing that in ninety five. Like I'm, I'm not doing years shit. Years old. Yeah. He put out TV shows at ninety. <laughs> yeah, I'm not doing any of that. No, no. Uh, I'm down. I'm not even gonna be podcasting at that point. He did that. Uh, like I said, I for as the comic, uh, I came into comics later in life, and to see the characters I've grown to really love out of Marvel. To realize that they all come from Stan Lee. So, like, for me, Stan Lee, he's like, I feel dumb saying this because all the comic fans refer to him as this. He's Grandpa Stan. <laughs> he is. 
He's a kooky uncle that you just can't help but love. You're like, oh, it's Stan Lee. Oh, come here. You you may say something racist or something weird. Like, <laughs> but you know, he's like, dad, God, it's you. I, I got to love what you put out there. But I always appreciate, like, even how stupid and corny his jokes were. I always loved it. Well, I, let's, I let's back let's back up a second. Let me ask you guys what what was your what was the first time you realized at what age you were when you when you were aware of Stan Lee, not the characters he created, like the actual yeah. person himself. Like, when did you become? When was the awareness? When did you realize uh, this guy? Like, what, what was it? A TV show? Was it was it a, a public appearance? What, what was your entry point to actually the guy himself, not <laughs> not you know not the characters he created? Well, I, I can I can tell you mine. It's actually my favorite cameo that I've ever seen him in. Okay. And it would be Mallrats. <laughs> that, was your, that was your first Stanley exposure? That was the first time I had any idea uh, who right, Stanley so was. Really? How old were you when that... Um, um, when I you, think when, I oh. ended up seeing that when I was about 13, 14. Okay, that's... All right, so um, Patrick, what was your first? <sighs> Spider-Man and his friends, where he played yeah. host. <laughs> the host. And that's actually mine too. That was the first when he came on and said, "This is Stan Lee," and then he did the narration. That's when I was there. Okay, here's the guy behind what we're watching. And you're right. So Patrick and I go, "Yeah, Paul was a little late. You're a little late." In fact, and that's really sad, Paul. You got to get that from a, a, a Kevin Smith film. Really? Is that what you, that's your? That's how you? Hey, I like Kevin Smith. Well, I'm hot and cold, Kevin Smith. We're not going to discuss that. But it's. I thought you would have. I thought you would have. I guess you were in England. You didn't see Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Did they show that over there? Like what not, was what was the cartoon scenario over there for uh, um, Marvel? And uh, not a huge amount. We got the uh, the X Men cartoon that had one of the most catchy tunes <laughs> in the world. Uh, but uh, but yeah, we, we didn't really get much of it. That'll be the one. <laughs> An a- animation that moved every two days. You know, just <laughs> frame frame. <laughs> yeah, that, that's interesting. Uh, okay, so you were a little late to the game, but I think maybe because it was a geo, geo, you know, geographical. Jesus Christ, um, <laughs> issue for you because you, you know, you weren't here in America. But for us, for Patrick and I, that was the first uh, exposure to. And then, then he would appear. You'd start seeing him, you know, um, on TV. He was. He did a lot of. T- obviously, did a lot of TV and a lot he, of intros. A lot of stuff. Funny you phrase that. Like, what was your first exposure? Like, that was my exposure. But I didn't understand. Like, what's the big deal? Why is this guy narrating? Why is he keeping like I'm Stan Lee? I'm like. What's the big deal? Why do I care if it's Stan Lee? And then as you got more into it, you're like, right. oh, like, yeah. Grandpa Stan Lee's on the scene. <laughs> Grandpa he's Stan. Gotta announce, he's got to announce his presence. <laughs> Behold, everyone, it is me. <laughs> but he was a great narrator, too. I think oh, he was? He was a really great narrator. Just, you know, no, so you only... think he wasn't a great narrator. He was a great salesman. <laughs> All right, so yeah, let me correct that. Yes, he was a very good salesman. Obviously. Very good salesman. He knew how to. Yeah, he knew how to market. <laughs> and he constantly was pimping. He was definitely. Oh, he was. My he was sister, also, go ahead. I was about to say my favorite thing that he ever did, like to pimp stuff out. He did like the scene where he's like on the couch and <laughs> where he's like, "Hello, everybody." Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, I, I remember. I remember looking into that because uh, someone posted an article. Just be like, by the way, just in case you weren't aware, and it was just this picture of him. Apparently, the I, I love the story behind that because they came to him and said, "Hey, do you want to do this?" And he said, "Yes." And uh, <laughs> then the people at Marvel said, "No, obviously he's not going to do it." And he said, "Yes, I am." And so and he, he just did. got on the couch, <laughs> right out, like, "Hello." <laughs> 
Uh, you got Rick. I like. There's the everybody likes the Grandpa Stanley now, but I honestly, my favorite Stanley look is has to be '70s Stanley with the fucking yeah. sideburns and a black yeah. silver hair and the sunglasses, <laughs> and he looks like he's just hanging out at the Playboy Mansion in the grotto area. You know, he's just he got that look. He looks he like uh, Hefner's. He did very playboyish, and he looked like Hefner's, uh, you know, other uh, nephew or something or cousin. <laughs> they, he looks like that's where he should be. But he had he had just such a great look in the '70s. It was very hustler, very pimp, very salesman-y. Uh, showman type uh, look for him. He's never really changed. He's kept the look pretty consistent. From well, I mean, the hair gets gray, and then he switched over to those those dad sweaters, you know. So he did. He had a shift over, but he, you know, the sex appeal starts to go. But he was. He had definitely had an appeal to him in the seventies. Hey, some great photos of him. Seventy years with his wife, man. He something had to work outside the money hole. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, she died. Well, she died last year. Am I correct? She, and she was ninety five. She was, yeah. she, they both died the same age. And that's incredible. So, um, anyway, and then we're married how long? 70 years? 70 years. Damn, that's amazing. It's insane. Something you, else I'm not doing. You ever hear how they met? Uh, uh, it was in the story, and I I forget. I still, I still think it's a, a crazy story. So, Stanley got set up on a blind date, and he ran into Joan. And he's like, Joan is the most beautiful woman I've ever met. He blew off his blind date. He started to <laughs> hang out with Joan. But here's the thing. Joan was married. <laughs> and they actually grew to really appreciate each other to the point where, like, why don't we get married? So they he, they went to Reno, got a divorce, and then that same day they got married. <laughs> and they Did stayed they? together. Really? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. All right. So there, yeah. Stan, Stan, Stan got swatted and he got. <laughs> yeah. And, and then also the character of Mary Jane Watson is based off of her. That is true. So, so Gwen Stacy's based on the look of his wife, and then Mary Jane is based on the personality of his wife. And when Stanley died, I bet somewhere in the world, Jack Kirby went good. Wow! Say what you want, but there was uh, there was always that the, the underside of Stanley. Uh, and uh, now he had a bunch of bunch of stuff, you know, that would kick up some dirt over the years. I mean, he was able to overcome it, obviously, and just I, you know, I with his enthusiasm. I think I think he's a good guy overall. Let, let's, yeah. let's clarify. I'm not, you know, he wasn't being shady, but you know, there there was there was credit issues. There was some other stuff, and you know, he was the master showman and had the most charisma. So he's just the guy who was just the the, the head tip of the spear on that. Um, but yeah, that was in Jack. his early years. He got really, you know, he was the salesman. He let his personality get ahead of him. And then as years rolled on, I feel like, you know, I came to J Stanley years and years later into his life. So like in his seventies, I would have knew him. I feel like as he got older, he started like I need, I should give credit. And so like he really he big. Like, yeah, he he's like, you know, it was Ditko, it was Walter Simonson, it was Jack Kerb. He was big on promoting those names, and I still remember like even to his final interviews, he always tried to give credit to those artists that helped him to create those iconic characters. Now he, I didn't even think I remember seeing one interview. He's like, you know what? I probably, you know, put too much shame or put much too much identity on myself. I and he he started going by the title of I am the co-creator. He never said he was the creator right. anymore. He always referred to himself as the co-creator. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Although, there's the story of him meeting Roy Thomas two days before he died, and and they're talking about stuff, and then he he signed off basically by saying, "Take care of my boy." And talking about <laughs> Spider-Man, so I think uh, he probably would take ownership of Spider-Man over everything else, I think. Uh, what was your first exposure to a Marvel character? Like, how old? 
<clears throat> That's a good question. I mean, obviously, as I said, I had uh, I had the X Men cartoon, which I I loved. So uh, that was uh, probably Your, yours was X Men. Yeah, I, I think X Men would be the first Marvel thing that I, at the very least, thinking back on it, that I was able to say that's Marvel. So, okay. Yeah. Patrick, what was your shocker? Spider Man. Okay. Yeah, and that was mine too. I had I was the uh, I was for Halloween Spider Man. Of course, everybody with the man with that shitty mask that you do sweat in, which was terrible, <laughs> and then pass out. And also, I had Spider Man underoos, guys. And oh, like, and, fact, and, and I'm still wearing them right now. <laughs> in honor of this podcast and Stanley. They barely fit, but let me tell you, I got them on. It's not pretty, guys. <laughs> Just don't take those off. They'll take them off. <laughs> Spider-Man underoos were the best. I had a bunch of different, but I remember, yeah, Spider-Man was a big deal too. I, I really like Spider-Man. I, I, I think I it was the color palette, the red and blue. I think there's that. You know, obviously the the powers there's, there's, and they had fun villains. If you watch that that shitty seventies one with the fun theme song, uh, you know, and they they, they, had, they had a lot of fun villains on that one. Uh, you know, the lizard and Craven and all these other idiots. Um, so I, that's what I kind of that's what I kind of grew up. That was my entry point for Marvel. I think was Spider Man. You brought up a funny. Uh, sorry, I just was. It's something. That, there's something to be said about when you nail the character's design the first at the first go. Spider-Man has like had he's had a few costume changes, but man, you yeah, just a few. But the red and blue is just remain constant. Yeah. There's no change. Like you nailed the design the first time, and you take him out of that, you're like, but you gotta put him back in it. <laughs> and it's also it's iconic enough. Even if you have that, like if you saw a circle and then have the red and the webbing on it, everybody knows the Spider-Man. Like you yeah. don't even have to, it's a thing you have to you don't have to see his face or even the eyes. You know, everybody knows that. That's like like Mickey Mouse. And you know, and, and Darth Vader, everybody you can just see it from a distance, you know immediately what it is. And you can identify it. Well, that's why that. Spider Man became the house of Marvel. Like that whenever you see the logo, uh before Disney bought him out, like anytime you saw the Marvel logo, there was Spider Man just sitting in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> he, he became he was the icon. Yeah. He was he was the Stan Lee of Marvel. <laughs> he was yeah, until Stan Lee was the Stan Lee of Marvel. Right, exactly. Yeah. He was predated. But uh, yeah, it's fascinating. You have that legacy. But go ahead, Paul. I was just going to say, it is interesting to think that people that grew up now, not necessarily having read the comic, but watching the cinematic universe and seeing that just explode, they would probably say that Iron Man or Captain America would be the head character that pops into their head, whereas almost everybody that reads the comics, as you say, it's Spider-Man. Like, he is the one. <laughs> Do you guys want to hear a funny thing about uh, Iron Man and Stanley? And how he created them. So Stanley was so at the time, you know, a lot of the stories Stanley created were based around the time the the era that they're in. So like you'll find like a lot of the stories. So like Daredevil and Spider Man were based on genetic or the the chemical spills. That was a big scare of the early times. Uh, X Men Prejudice uh, and all that stuff. So at the time, you know, you had these big industrial people who were like everyone's fighting against the industrialists. And so someone in the offices bet Stanley, I bet you can't make an industrialist a popular character. <laughs> so that was it. Uh, that that was the bet, and that's what how he created Iron Man was on a bet. That's yeah, see, that's amazing. It's so funny though. <laughs> Jesus, it's so funny to think about though that Spider Man was was the number one, was the most popular, you know, pre MCU, and now and but yeah, he was like the one of the last assholes to be incorporated in the MCU. 
for yeah. licensing. Isn't that weird? Like, like he's the guy who really kind of ran the whole thing, and then he's the last one to show up in the these fucking well, movies. Well, that's that's all like Marvel making bad, bad decisions years and years. Well, ago. yeah, and that was yeah, that was Stan Lee because he was just he just was a good guy, and he just wanted he to get his shit out he, there. Yeah, you know, so. that was as much of a salesman he was. Like, I still remember one of the, uh, one of the articles I remember reading. Like, how big of a salesman it was, was was when the time Spider-Man got married. He's like, okay, we gotta get people to understand this is a huge moment in comics. So he ran into a baseball stadium and recreated the marriage scene on the baseball stadium to match up with the comic. <laughs> Wow. Like, that's how big wow. of a salesman he is. But I think at that same time, like, because he was always trying to see about expanding the medium, expanding comics, he might have put – and he was big in diversifying and giving his products to other people. But I think that's where things started to – you know, Marvel as a whole, when it started getting into other people's hands, they're like, well, we got to sell this off. Because I think one of the things that led to the downfall is they sold it – they initially sold the rights to a toy company. And that toy company was like, well, we got to sell these bunch of merchandise. So that's why you sold Secret Wars. Secret Wars comic basically was around. Uh, how do we sell these a bunch of these toys? And it was successful, but eventually it kind of petered out. And then they end up having to like when the sales started like backlashing against them. They're like, well, we got to sell off these rights. And then you saw this go here, this go here, this go here. They're like that's why you when you see like Blade, this is a great Marvel movie. It's like, yep. And that was my <laughs> a totally different company that didn't have Marvel attached to it. <laughs> wow. Yeah, he kind of spread himself a little thin. Of course, Spider-Man made the rounds uh, cinematically until uh, Sam Raimi finally was able to pull it off. But uh, it went to canon. Almost canon came very close to making Spider-Man movie, uh, the yeah. canon group. And they almost and they built sets and everything, which is a fascinating story that they built the sets for Spider-Man. And Albert Pune, who directed a bunch of dumb shit, um, <laughs> was going to direct this one. And it fell apart, but the sets that were built were used in the film, I think, Cyborg 2. Either Cyborg or Cyborg 2, one of the Cyborg movies, have the sets for Spider-Man. So go figure that out. So, so it came very close, but thank God. <laughs> oh, I, I, yeah. I thought – sorry, you just brought up like weird things. I, me I remember reading that uh, Michael Jackson at one time had planned to get the rights to Spider-Man. <laughs> Can do was, with it. He wanted to play Spider-Man. Ah, Christ. Yeah. <laughs> he actually went to Stanley and talked to him about it. And they're like, well, we'll think about it. And that, that should be almost as weird as if Nicolas Cage has got his wish of playing Superman. Or it's just, well, yeah. he did play Ghost Rider, though. He did play a Stanley character, right? Yeah. Ghost Rider was, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, well, we, the less said about that. We haven't flushed those two, but boy. <laughs> uh, they are flesh worthy. <laughs> yes, yes, sir. <laughs> Although I still enjoyed them. So there we go. <laughs> That's all you do. I'm sure you enjoyed the Fantastic Four films too. That were all terrible. All three of them. Uh, honestly, if I have to pick one to watch, I would go with that unreleased first one because at least that was closest to the yeah. spirit of the comic as opposed to the other two. Yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody it's wants still... to admit that. It's like a dirty secret, but everybody's got a copy of that, a bootleg copy somewhere in their, uh, but in their DVD collection. It's, it's weird to think, like, so um, Fantastic Four, as much as they've been bad movies, we had to recognize, like, the legacy of Stan Lee is built on Fantastic Four. The it really? Uh, it, yeah, because uh, the Marvel Comics was not a, a big thing. So, like, we got to keep in mind, like, the only – uh, Marvel character that existed that before Marvel was Marvel because it was used to be timely comics. Right. Uh, the only comic characters that existed before then were, you know, Captain America and Namor. They were the only characters that existed before that. Um, and essentially, what ended up happening was, you know, Ju Justice League was starting to become a big popular thing for for DC Comics. It was right after because a lot of the comics before uh, the big char comic characters that we know today 
was like a lot of the superhero comics were dying out because after the war, people were like, well, we don't need superheroes anymore. And then DC is like, why don't we try making superhero teams again? And so at the time, Stanley was one of the head creators there. And they said, Stanley, we need to create something that's going to be on par with Justice League. And at this time, he was like really burnt out on comics because he's like, I'm dealing with the comics authority. I'm tired of this crap. I'm tired of all this stuff. So Joan told him, like, if you're going to write a comic, write a comic you want to write. So he wrote Fantastic Four because at the time, you know, this is like common stance now that you would write comics with drama in it. But at the time when he introduced Fantastic Four, that wasn't a thing. You didn't have superheroes that had their identities revealed to the world. You didn't see them working as a family unit. And so he's like, why don't I just write superheroes that actually have human personalities and struggles and realistic uh, uh, problems. So he wrote the Fantastic Four, which one of his like, popular characters out of that four was The Thing. You had a guy who got the powers of rocks, but like, my life is destroyed from this. I'm not happy about it. I'm a superhero, but my God, I'm a rock monster. <laughs> <laughs> he had to do it. So like, that was so compelling to people. Like, wow, there's characters with some serious drama. And that was a huge hit for them. And it's so... He wrote this at 40. He wrote Fantastic Four at 40. Oh, really? At, oh, wow. That at 40 years old. And the second, so all of his popularity comes from like uh, – it's really crazy because um, he got into the comics when he was in tw at 20 years old. He worked at Timely Comics just being a writer for all these like odds and end stories. And then just through situations of circumstance of attrition, he somehow became the head ch chief uh, coordinator for the entire company. <laughs> And so then he's just like, well, if I'm going to write superhero comics again, let's make Fantastic Four, and he was a huge hit. So he's like, all right, well, why do I make another hero? I'll make the Spider-Man character. I wanted to make it because all the at the time there were no kid superheroes. You had Robin, who was a sidekick. You had a tons of characters that were sidekicks, but you never had a kid superhero. He's like, well, why don't I do that? And everyone's telling him that will not work. No one will buy that. And Spider-Man became a huge hit. Then he's like, well, why do I write uh, a Jekyll and Hyde story of, of uh, Hulk? No one wanted to read that. People went bonkers for it. It's like, yes, we want a creature who's everyone's sad about. Is <laughs> hitchhiking down the road now for the rest of his life. Yeah, yeah. With, so, the, with, the, with the theme music. Of yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> so am I correct now that the, the Fantastic Four and X-Men are going to be folded into the MCU now with this, this Fox deal going through? It. Or finally, well, I, I would hope they would be because Fantastic Four hasn't been d done justice properly. So it'd be no. nice to see the MCU finally get these characters correct. Kevin Feige has confirmed that the, the plans have been put forward for the X Men franchise. There has been no word officially about the Fantastic Four franchise. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would assume so. But I'm currently I'm currently uh, fan voting for Jonathan Krasinski as. Uh, Mr. Fantastic, because I think he would look fantastic. <laughs> I I think that the Fantastic Four would work best as a TV show. That's okay. That I could see that as in like a Netflix um Netflix ten, ten episode thing. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah. Not that we need more of those at this point, but unfortunately, that's where it seems to operate. Oh, well, those are going away now. Yeah, I, Iron Fist is Well, they got rid of two of them, right? Yeah, 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 they killed it, too. So I guess I got a slot open. So maybe you're right. Maybe Fantastic Four could work. You know, you might be right on that. 
Oh, that's not that's not a horrible idea. That's actually pretty good. That might be a better way to go because there's four characters, and if you have a ten, like they just did with Haunting a Hill House. If anybody's watched it, I know there's been enough dick sucking about that series, but at least it deals with a whole family that takes its time over ten episodes and ten hours to develop that. So you can do the same thing with Fantastic Four because there's obviously four of them, and then explore the dynamics over you know a story arc, and you can have Doctor Doom or some other idiot mole man or whatever. Um, uh, we need a good see, like for me. I... I remember like being young and they being introduced to the original Fantastic Four movie. And I'm seeing this Dr. Doom and I was seeing like the comic people like, man, Dr. Doom. Like and I watched him like, what's the, the big deal about this guy? He's metal. I don't understand why he's a big deal. And then after, you know, in my twenties, I started getting into comics and I started reading like these really good stories of Dr. Doom. And I started to figure out like, Oh, Dr. Doom's like the biggest OP character ever in created. <laughs> He's like well, ridiculously powerful. <laughs> yeah, and he's been screwed over. And the only decent Doctor Doom was the guy in that first Fantastic Four film. He's the only one that kind yeah. of got the spirit of the character. That uh, the Julian McMahon had, not, and the other guy from that more re Josh Trank nonsense. Yeah. yeah, nobody knows what the hell to do with to get that. But that first guy, whoever that first guy was, got the spirit of Doctor Doom. He's a compelling character. You could do uh, six episodes on Netflix on him. Do, oh yeah, Doctor Doom eight. would be yeah. amazing. Yeah, because like he's just a he's just an a hole. Right. But an awesome a-hole. <laughs> well, I would do like – so if anybody in Netflix is listening, do an inverse of, of the Fantastic Four. So have the series centered <laughs> around Doctor Doom and have the Fantastic Four be the villains. You know, so you're seeing everything from uh, from Doom's point of view. Are you saying series. you want to see the Frightful Four? No, 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 no. They, <laughs> no don't get don't get nuts. What was that? Did they have a chimp? Wasn't there a Fantastic Four cartoon? Am I correct? And they had there was. Oh, uh, they've had many. There uh, was a there was a thing TV show where the character had <laughs> thing ring do your thing. Uh, wait, wait, what's a thing ring? Is that like a cock ring or is that like an actual yeah, ring ring? He had two rings on his middle fingers. He clacked them together. Oh, and yeah. Came the thing. Yeah, I got those too. They're my they're my nightstand. Uh, they only come out for special occasions, right, Paul? <laughs> but hey, you said you'd never talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, state in private circles. I mean, there well, was some wacky stuff. Is that like was a licensing? Because there, there was they tried it. There was a robot in one Fantastic Four cartoon, right? Then they have a flying oh, robot with Herbie. them. Thank a Herbie, not not the car. No, the, the robot. I know what you're talking about. Because yeah. they lost the. I I remember why they did it because they kind. I don't know how it they happened, but somehow there was rights issues with the with the Human Torch. So they had to, <laughs> so they had to replace the human. With a shitty with a vacuum cleaner that fly flies. What the uh, yeah. Well, oh my god! It doesn't help that Marvel has two Human Torches. I right, look. You can keep the guy who stretches that rock fucking thing and the girl who, who goes invisible. But that that guy's on fire. He's got to go. No, hide him, hide him. We can, we can get the robot in here now. No flame on, no flame on. <laughs> no, I would have loved to have been in that meeting for that, like how that, how that came about. Uh, well, that's depressing though. When you start, like, come on. It's the, so it's really the Fantastic Three, and then the uh, you know the robot, yeah, the robot from Black robot from Black Hole. Yeah, uh, Maximilian. Oh yeah. Uh, no, the other one, the other one, the one that floats, the one that looked like R two D two. What the hell was he called? I don't know. We're, we're, that, that, that's yeah. a big digress. <laughs> you get the point on that. <laughs> but it's just crazy. So you got the Fantastic Four. You got Spider-Man. He think of this Daredevil. He created Daredevil. Co-created Daredevil. And have you guys seen the Netflix one? It's amazing. Oh, Patrick, Patrick, before we start recording, folks, Patrick said he had a, a full list of all the characters that Stanley created. So real rapid fire, Pat, read them all off. Go ahead. Read them all. 
No, all just go to the list. <laughs> you can. Right, let's, let's, let's hear. Let's give a recap of what. So, just in case okay. anybody's wondering, because there's been a lot of blowback. I'm going to talk about Bill Maher just I'll, came out. I'm really. Um, oh, I'm, I'm super pissed I wanna, about I wanna, that. I want to address that, but I want to address first the legacy of Stan Lee, in case you don't know all that he created as a writer. But go ahead, Pat. Just bring right. him. Let's go. Let's go by category. Spider-Man, he's responsible for creating J. Jonah Jameson, who is based on himself. <laughs> nice. The Vulture, Dr. Octopus, Sandman, Lizard, Electro, Mysterio, Norman Osborn, Craven the Hunter, uh, Scorpion, Gwen Stacy, Harry Osborn, Rhino, Mary Jane Watson, Shocker, Prowler. That's just Spider-Man characters. Jesus. Moving on to X-Men, he's responsible for Blob, Toad, Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch, Juggernaut, Sentinels, um, and the original five Fantastic Four, which would be Jean Grey, Scott Summers, uh, Hank McCoy, the Beast, um, Angel, and I'm missing one. I forget. Oh, Iceman. Then the Fantastic Four. So you got Doctor Doom, the Scrolls. He created Galactus. Wow. <laughs> Ronan the Accuser, Annihilus, Franklin Richards. And then he's responsible for the Hulk, uh, Daredevil. Specifically, oh, he created Vanessa. I thought he created Wilson Fix, but I guess he did not. He created his wife, who is a compelling character, and the ever so popular Daredevil villain, Stilt Man. <laughs> He's a big one. He's a big one. He's responsible for Iron Man, specifically uh, Pepper Potts, Edwin Jarvis, and Whiplash. Wow. Thor, he's responsible for Thor, Jesus. a lot of the prominent figures. Uh, Doctor. He's a co-creator of Doctor Strange. <laughs> wow. Uh, I'm, not, I'm just skipping things now. He's responsible yeah, yeah. for Black Panther. Inhumans, which... Uh, in comics, they're cool. In the movies and every other adaptation, like they've been awful. He's responsible for Ant-Man and Wasp. Uh, he's, we'll see, miscellaneous characters. He's responsible for Groot. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, there you go. Hey, uh, there we go. Hawkeye, Wonder Man, uh, Hercules, huh. Peggy Carter, Sharon Carter. Uh, Ares, uh, Modoc, Black Knight, Captain Marvel, the original, and Falcon. I'll oh, forgive him for everything except that Hawkeye guy. He's <laughs> 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 and Wonder Man. I wasn't a big fan of Wonder Man. Uh, there's some. There were some questionable. But yeah, that, that's you know, and that's a that's, that's a, a huge, that's a brief. Most, <laughs> if you can create honestly as a writer or an artist, or just create one or two characters that become iconic. This guy's created what? Like you just named 40, 50 characters. You know, and how many of them are the most insane. popular movies out there right now? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, well, yeah, um, yeah, and, and that have gone on to become huge box office, you know, yeah, um, yeah. Well, and, juggernauts. And also, uh, I, I don't know if you looked it up, the first like comic book debut that he did, he was 19 years old, and it was yeah. as a text filler story, Captain America Foils the Traitor's Revenge. Which uh, you could probably write a thesis on that title alone, but that's what he... I was saying. Like he, at twenty years old, he he started working at Timely Comics when he was fourteen, and he just kind of doing stories here and there, here and there, or helping out here and there. And he's been working since he was fourteen at, in comics. Yeah, and wow. and he like that that one <laughs> text filler that he wrote that introduced Captain America's shield toss. He's the one that invented that. So. Oh, wow. So yeah, it's a huge legacy, and now you know. But there's always got to be somebody who shits on it, and I got to circle back to Bill Maher here. Oh, uh, have you read the blog, Paul? Are you familiar with what he wrote? I I've seen highlights. I haven't read the full thing yet. So I'm still pissed just because I am an avid comic reader, and I I'll let you go ahead. Well, uh, yeah, I've, I've been a, I'm a, I'm actually gonna read a chunk of this because I I, I don't understand. 
All right, let's. And I guess you can create. Here's the the. Uh, this is the other problem we have. Uh, this is someone who doesn't like acknowledge legacy that Mr. Patrick here just went through. Uh, and he said this: the guy who created Spider-Man, the Hulk, has died. America's in mourning, deep, deep mourning for a man who inspired millions to I don't know watch a movie. I guess now that's that's pretty shitty right there. Uh, someone on Reddit posted, "I'm so incredibly incredible. I'm sorry. I'm so incredibly grateful I lived in a world that included Stanley. Personally, I'm grateful I lived in a world that included oxygen and trees." But to each his own. Uh, and Paul, that's where you insert my rim shot. But I'm bump. Uh, now I have nothing against comic books. I read them now when I was a kid, and I was all out of Hardy Boys. But the assumption everyone had back then, both the adults and the kids, was that comics were for kids. And when you grew up, you moved on to big boy books without the pictures. That's that sentence right there. I take huge issue with um, because obviously, and then they're saying because uh, adults, so many years later, he's saying that. We, 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 this is how we regain our youth as we, we went back to comic books and put more meaning to them as, as actual literature and that they actually aren't. Um, boy. <laughs> and I, I, yeah, see, everybody's not happy with this because, yeah, uh, comic books are literature, folks. Um, just because they have pictures <laughs> doesn't mean that there's actual, you know, they're for kids. Um, and no, we, there's, we, every one of us can name a graphic novel that is, that is you know, Image comics is all yeah. about adult comics. That's the whole premise of their line. You know? But would you would you agree that like maybe I don't see I'm probably the oldest of this group here. Uh, but I even when I was a kid, yeah, I read I really I got into comics more I guess in my teen years than you know uh, than when I was a kid kid. But I read obviously I read them as a kid. But there was never a point in my life where I said, okay, I'm done with these. You know, I got to move on my life and I got to read Tolstoy. You know, there was never <laughs> you know there was. There was never that dividing, like, okay, I got to be an adult now, and you know, I, I, if it, you know, that connects you to your childhood, and if that keeps, you know, yeah, I'm not saying I have to read the juvenile comics, and there was Archie no. comics and all that other stuff, but you know, comics are legitimate. I know, I day, I, I, I like, I've had a girlfriend who writes for comics right now, um, so I, I've known comic writers, and you know, obviously, I, I'm in that circle in that sense. Of having grown up with graphic novels and comics like that, and uh, there's some very adult stuff, and some very, and it's just they're just as valid as the movies, or any other kind of medium that these uh, these comic book. Um... Well, here's the weird thing for me: like I didn't get into comics on um, um, I was 22. I'm tw- I'm turning 29 this week, which is weird. Like I didn't get into comics till then, and because uh, I avoided it because I felt like there was that stigma. And like, there's this whole thing like, oh, you don't read them as an adult. That's just a weird thing to do. Oh, so you did have that stigma, really? I Even did. I, I had that stigma. I refused to read comics because I didn't wow. know. And I was very fortunate that I just happened to find a whole bunch of Spider-Man comics uh, that were literally – it was based on the Ultimate line. So it was literally once the characters killed off, they are dead for real. So I had this whole story of like Spider-Man from beginning to death. I was like, all right, if I'm going to read a comic, I'll read this. And I read this one story – Holy crap, it changed my perspective of like good storytelling, fun storytelling. Uh, it, for me, it like redefined like this is what stories could be. I didn't realize like I've read a lot of books in my life, but it was the first time like someone I read something like, wow, this is some pretty innovative stuff I'm seeing here. And this is with the Spider Man comic. And then through that, I got through the medium of discovering all the, you know, at the time I got into New 52 comics, but those were awful. <laughs> but. <laughs> But so, it, so, yeah, but it's a, it was a baseline because uh, Bill Maher says it's it's about adulting. That's what he titled it, uh, yeah. adulting. But because of those comics that you know that we read as kids, we have uh, a lot of people are employed by Marvel right now making movies based on those comics. Yes. They are they are adulting and they're getting paid very well to do that. And so that you know it is an art form. 
It is not, it's not a throw, it is a definite art form that has transcended the page to the screen. And now it's on TV and Netflix if you want, you know, you, it's all, there's all different kind of, and video games, right? The Spider-Man video oh, game was a huge hit. Game is so See, good. there you go. So, so Bill great Markin, Stanley, great Stanley cameo though, by the way. Oh, I see. There you go. And Bill Maher, yeah, he can eat shit. But so I, I do take a lot of issue with that. I just, you know, he tends to write, and that people were, of course, now all the, Comic people are all up in arms and they want to show canceled. So don't get nuts, folks. It's just Bill Maher just being Bill Maher. Don't you don't we're not gonna we don't have to you know burn him at the stake over because he wasn't no, happy that I, Stan Lee died. He couldn't pick a different any other he time. He didn't have to year. say anything, but no, yeah, he, but he could have said it any other time and like it right. wouldn't have been a big deal. But like he had, he specifically chose this time. Like okay, I'm just gonna. But so you know, this guy, you know, <laughs> talking about a man who's 95, he devoted his entire life to entertaining an audience. Yes. And, and I'm gonna I'm gonna reiterate this quote from him, and this is my favorite quote, and this directly applies actually to me. Uh, I can't, you know, I identify with, and I guess Paul does. Uh, I used to be embarrassed because I was just a comic book writer, while other people were building bridges or going on to medical careers, like Bill Maher was saying. And then I began to realize entertainment is one of the most important things in people's lives. Without it, they might go off the deep end. I feel that if you're able to entertain people, you're doing a good thing. So that guy got an entire career and inspired millions of people by entertaining. And if that's not valid, I mean, come on. <laughs> Why Even, is one man, one guy, one guy did that. One guy did that, but this is, a, you know, we'll talk about the legacy. He created all these characters, and then he just doesn't stop. He goes, okay, I've created these characters. Now I'm going to get these people who are going to come on to these characters and continue to pump out good stories, good compelling stuff. I'm going to continue to sell his product and then continue to sell himself. Like you, you were talking about the entertainment. He lived to entertain people, and that's what fat people found so endearing about him to the day he started to the day he died. He was just very much a showman, but not just a showman. He was a showman with a lot of heart to him, I felt. Yes, and well, it didn't always translate. Now there was—I uh, nah. don't know if you guys remembered who wants to be a superhero. Did you guys? Actually <laughs> yeah, I'm aware. Of that. I, uh, I'm friends with one of the contestants in that first season. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, the, the girl who played Creature. She's a, a dancer named Tanya, <laughs> Tanya K. Really wonderful woman. I've I've known her for years. Uh, but she even said when she was working with them, he was the real deal. He was genuine and kind and thoughtful and That's funny and charisma. They, there's no bad words about the guy. And like yeah. you just said, he 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 was entertaining himself. He, he knew how to entertain as well as through his work and in person. And that's a, that's an incredible feat. Now, you know, like I said, I'm I'm you know, <laughs> I entertain through my show, but I might be an asshole in real life. You know, <laughs> that's a no. hard thing to keep to keep you know your work and your real life. You know, on that same path, on that same level, uh, you know, for so long that he did, like I said, and he could have checked out at any time. He could have, he was done a couple times. He got yeah. into a lot of legal trouble. He had a lot of failures in the later part of his, with the internet yeah, media thing. There was a, he had a lot of failures. He could have just hung it up, but he never did. That son of a bitch was touring right up to the end, yes, you know, and that's, 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 that says a lot to character and to, and, and the, what people can do and what they can achieve, yeah. I guess. It's, it's a lot to say that for a man who's just like, all right, the cards are down, but does it mean I stop? No. He never stopped. The guy never stopped. Go ahead, Paul. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think one thing that really showed just how much fun he had and how much he enjoyed it was all of his cameos in the MCU. Because he just <laughs> kept going. He kept playing all these different characters, and he was clearly having a ball in every single one of them. It, I mean, uh, like, do any of you have a favorite cameo of his in them? That's a great question. Uh, what do you got, Patrick? Yeah, that's a... Oof. I'm always the, really funny ones, but I'm gonna be always a big fan of him with the Watchers and Guardians of the Galaxy too, just because like for me as a comic fan, it's like the Watchers are a big deal, and he's just in there like, guys, I got a story to tell you. <laughs> like he, the Watchers are these big guys who watch everything in the universe, and they're like, we gotta get away from this dude. <laughs> uh -huh. 
Well, that was the prevailing theme for a while in fandom that he was a watcher and then they basically just were like okay yes he is <laughs> so that, that's pretty like, much that, canon now that's why it was funny to me because this is like even he could take off the watcher so he's like okay uh we gotta get away from stan <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, stan, we love you but uh time old man stories have got to go you gotta you gotta go take a nap now <laughs> Great thing about him, he did a million cameos, a million films. He's the ones later, but every time he showed up on screen, it gets a reaction from the audience, and I think it does. That's, that's a testament. Every time, every movie I sat through, when he pops up, there's always a chuckle or some clapping or something like that. So that's that. Nobody ever got tired of it. I mean, I, except for maybe I, mean, I get a little curmudgeon in the restroom after a while. You're like, all right, Stan Lee's here, but but the the fact is, the audience always reacted to that, regardless of what was happening on screen with the movie. Because and the story. he's Grandpa you know. Stan Lee. Right there, you go. Yeah, it's just, yeah. It's just yeah, that new jerk. Yeah. He always, I, I feel like, you know, talk about the legacy, like, he helped to, like, just for a face alone, just like the presence of a man. It's like, here's a man you can, he, I don't know how to phrase it, just for someone who's grown into understanding who he was. Like, he, I don't know, he gives you that sense of, like, peace about the product you're saying. Like, Stan Lee's right there. I'm okay right now. It could be a terrible movie, but it's Stan. <laughs> well, also, do you know that he was, there's no other face of comics. He literally no. was, the, of all comics, he's the face of comics. He just is like, truly. Just like Walt Walt Disney, he pioneered an entire industry that today remains unmatched. And I think that's incredible. There's no other, you can't, not, the DC doesn't have anybody, there's no other no. face of comics. He, he represents all of comics, not just Marvel, all of it. And just like Walt Disney represents, you know, theme park industry, you know, and, and all the, and the animation. Um, so that's, and there's very few people in the world where they're that iconic. I mean, Steve Jobs, I guess, you know, you can go down the list, but for comics, it's just him. That's it. I mean, technology is a couple of, Jeff, you know, we've got Steve Jobs, we've got Jeff Bezos. You know, technology is a bunch of people. Film is a bunch of people. There's all these other industries, but there's only one comic guy, and that's and this was it. <laughs> he, he literally was it. He, he started and ended with him. So all the other industry, all DC Comics and Image and all these ones that have spurned out us are all, you know, grateful to him for his pimping because when he pimped, you know, himself. Well, that's what the Kurt point out. Kurt, Robert Kirkman's like, okay, I'm gonna. <laughs> he's built his whole franchise off of the, you know, The Walking Dead and whatever other show he's spinning off. But it's becoming like Kirkman stuff. Mark Miller, you know, there's people now who's recognized. Like, if I become the face of my product, people will recognize me over what, like my. Uh, he was a big pioneer of the. So a lot of people like will follow, in, you know, in my comic circles, they'll follow characters or they'll follow writers. And right. it's interesting enough. I feel like Stanley was one of the first ones who's like. I'm writing it, and people are like I'll read whatever he's writing. And a lot of like the comic readers I or comics I read now, I follow the writer, and those writers have like the su most successful ones are the ones who can market themselves much like Stan Lee. It's like, hey guys, I'm around, I'm here. <laughs> like he very much with his his uh, his fan base, their fan base, so they're prominent, they're present. You know who they are. It's like I know you. You've written these good comics, and you have a presence outside of the comics. I want to stay so keep following you. There's uh, Gail Simone is one that comes to mind. Yeah, Gail Simone. Yeah. And, and I met Gail Simone in person. I, I thanked her for her tweets because I I don't read as many of her stories, but I read her Twitter tweet all the time. And she's fascinating on Twitter, and I always thought she's very interesting. So yeah, when I when I saw her, I was like, oh, you don't have to sign that, but I just want to. Thank you for tweeting. <laughs> oh yeah, but it's just it's and she's funny. very like, sweet about it. Yeah, but but you start to know the writers and like you said, and, and, and you get behind them and their stories. And I, but he did that. He made sure to give he was credit the where they did it. Yeah, and he's made yeah. So it's all these other people now that are building their brand around, you know, like you said, just being a writer. I mean, there's a lot of artists. You know, there's we can yeah. go to there's a laundry list of artists. Every like Jim, Jim Lee and Jim Lee. McFarland. Yeah, we can. 
Yeah, we can all go. Everybody's seen the artist. We got it. But it's nice to see oh, the writers. Yeah. Yes. So, Rob Liefeld. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I, I hate this Yes. Yeah, it's a whole uh, thing. Some sorry. of these guys are, yeah, McFarlane's not. But been, here's guys. the crazy. So when we talk about the legacy. It's amazing how many comic creators he influenced. It always shocked me, like, because um, I, you know, speaking of Rob Liefeld, I remember like there was a there was a sad little thing about a year or two ago, like the possible neglect of Stan Lee and the the things that he was going through, and it was amazing to see the comic community come together to make sure that Stanley was okay. Cause like he kind of just fell off the map for like a, like for four or five months. And I remember it was like Rob Liefeld, Kevin Smith, all these, all these people make a big effort. Like, you know, we've had these conversations. We're friends with him and they made a huge effort to find out like, Stanley, are you okay? Can you please just give me a call? It was this crazy thing. Like he, he had such a presence that when his, even if you knew he was alive, the fact that he was missing for a minute freaked them all out. Like, Grandpa Stan, you can't be calm. You got to be staying here. We got to make sure you're okay. You know? Yeah, was, yeah. I think Kevin Smith wanted him to come live at his house. That's what Kevin Smith yeah. said. Yeah, Stan Lee, come and live with me. He didn't give a shit. Uh, but, I think anybody would open their door to Stan Lee. Who's going to say no to Stan Lee? I mean, but that's, that's how big of a, you know, we're talking about legacy and what yeah. these people were like so moved by this one man that they like, that they gave them their motivations to be in comics. So like the second they realized that there's possibility that he was neglected or something like that, they rose a whole community of people like, we got to make sure he's all right. Not because we're just being fanboys, because we genuinely care about the man who's like, we want to make sure that he's okay. <laughs> it was just really cool to see like how, when that happened. And then after he did get all that cleared up, he's like, thanks to all my fans who helped me get into a better spot. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And he toured constantly. Like I said, he was always pimping. And he's always touring, always doing shows. Like I said, he's been at the MegaCon several times and many other conventions, Comic-Con. Um, it was tireless in terms, in tireless. terms of the work. So I remember I was listening to a bunch of people, Twitter and people doing In Memoriam, like talking about the, like the last few visits. Even when he had like – he had hundreds of people at his signings and they were very clear. You get your comic, you go up and you sign and then you can say hi and you got to go, keep going. And he still made a – I remember a lot of people saying he still tried to make a point of just saying hello. <laughs> Thanks yeah. for being a fan. Yeah, trying to be very sincere still, even in that like five seconds, it's like always trying to be the most sincere, real face as he could be. Well, he was always mobbed. He was like one of the Beatles. Yeah. Like, have you ever seen a mob? I mean, you ever watch footage of him at a convention? It's just a mob of people, um, young and old, from from you know six years old all the way up to sixty. You know, well, yeah. There was a, a great story that I, I read about either yesterday or the day before, where uh, one of the one of the artists that uh, heavily influenced by him and got the great privilege to work with him for a little bit, he was saying that they were walking in New York and traffic stopped. Like they <laughs> Jeez, literally really? stopped traffic and everyone got out of their cars and kind of mobbed around him and he signed stuff for 10 minutes. And the Jesus. guy said, the police came <laughs> and what did the police do? They moved him off to one side and then asked for his signature. <laughs> and he probably didn't begrudge it at all. No. no, yeah, they they said he was just like just smiling, signing anything people were putting in front of him. Yeah, great guy. I mean, and I I will kind of steer it back when I was going to say my my favorite cameo that I've seen of him just just based off of uh, like what it is is it's actually in one of. Uh, one of the worst films uh, out of all the ones he's been in, which is Spider-Man Three. No, it, <laughs> I know you're going. I say, I mean, no, his, but he, there's a great cameo. Yeah, where he 
does say, you know, I guess one person can make a difference. Enough said. Oh, yeah, that was the, yeah, I saw a clip of that. Uh, yeah. Oh, I'm talking about the Amazing Spider-Man where he's the janitor. <laughs> oh, did they make him a janitor? I didn't see that. Oh, uh, yeah, in the Amazing Spider-Man, there's a scene where the lizard and Spider-Man are fighting, and Stanley is the janitor, and he's just kind of walking down the hall, <laughs> and they're just destroying stuff in the I'm, background. I'm he's it, got mate. his headphones on, just totally. No, he, he's, a, he's a librarian <laughs> in that one. Oh, that's right. Oh, it's yeah. a librarian. There's, oh, Jesus. <laughs> But, it's but, they, really, but that's a good quote. Even though it's a terrible film, you're right. Uh, that was probably that is probably one of his best ones. Where they gave him, you know, an uh, important line to say, yeah, um, which I, mean, I think that, is nice. You know, yeah. And then, then of course, uh, I think the funniest one is definitely uh, where he's delivering the package for Tony Stank. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, is that? And he was Hugh Hefner, right? One of the Iron Man. Yeah, uh, uh, actually, Hugh Hefner. Actually, he was mistaken for Hafner. He was mistaken. Yeah, for that, that's the thing. In both Iron Man and Iron Man Two, he plays himself, but Tony Stark mistakes him for Hugh Hefner in the first one, <laughs> and for Larry King in the second. Oh, that's right. He was Larry King. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I like the Hefner. Really, I remember my favorite. My favorite one now. It's from a Thor movie of all things, if you can believe it. <laughs> when he decides to have a drinking match with Thor. <laughs> no, oh, it's Captain America. Right. Yeah, and he, and he's like, "I'll, I'll drink you." And then you see him being carried out. He goes, "Yep, Excelsior." <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. That's a really funny one too. Yeah, he had a really good sense of humor. He was pretty much game for anything, which is fantastic. Um, yeah, they, gosh, yeah. Well, it was a great catchphrase too. Yeah, and it, it was just great to see him just whenever he's in the films. And um, something I, I read. A few years ago, which sadly is going to happen now, is the thing where everyone's going to be going to see these films, and then one day you're going to be watching it in the cinema, and you're going to realize something's not right, like yeah. something's missing, and then the credits and then will start, and you'll see Stanley. <laughs> it'll just be in memory of Stanley, and you realize oh, this is no. the time where there's been no cameo. Um, uh, I I don't know how they're gonna do that with because I'm sure he filmed the cameo for Avengers four next he year. He did. Um, he did. But they I can imagine like right at the end of it, they will probably have in memory of. Are they yeah, gonna I, put it there, or because Captain Marvel's out first, or are they gonna put the tie, the card there at the in memory of? I would so, like to think that they would do it in the Avengers just because so Avengers. many of the characters he created will be in that one. Okay. All right. Well, he's not we'll, really you know. tied to because like. You, it, the thing we have to remember is that he has filmed a ton of cameos. Uh, they have just put a bunch of them in the bucket. Oh, there you and, go. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, I think he might be around for a while. Yeah. He'll, he'll probably pop up for a few more videos because the second – they'll announce, like, this is the last one we filmed. Like, I, I fully expect Well, that. I think the last one, honestly, I, I'm sure he did Spider-Man Far From Home. I think he – I'm sure he filmed uh, I'm no. thinking that because that that's been done filming. So I think he's done that one. So you're going to see him at least Avengers 4, Captain Marvel, and, and Spider-Man. So the next, the three for next year, you're going to see him. After that, I think that's going to be it. But, yeah. but you never know. He may keep popping up, guys. That, you know well, what's I... really sad, though? Someone pointed out th this out to me. The only time Stanley has cameoed and he met one of his own – or, like, met Spider-Man was in Spider-Man 3. Oh, oh, you're right. You're right. All the only that. time he's ever met Peter Parker and in the movies, which is like – Damn, what a bad movie to cameo in. But so weird they didn't he didn't meet him in the first one. That's I know Randy's first one. I'm, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's the only way like he makes the character. But there is He's, a there is a deleted scene from the first one where he tried to sell Peter Parker a pair of sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that That's funny. That's funny. Now I, I have to say I think that um I would be fine with 
either, let's say they put a CG Stan Lee in, but with no dialogue. Like he's That's just a good in one. it. Yeah. He's or, in the ride in, um, yeah. Yeah. Or the same thing they did with Deadpool 2, where he is graffiti art in it. Oh, yeah. That's brilliant, too. Like, um, he also appears four times in the attraction here in Orlando, uh, The Amazing Adventures of Spider-Man and Islands of Adventure. Oh, yeah, they, oh, when, they upgrade, when they upgraded the film, they upgraded the film and did new animation, and he, he cameos four times. You have to look for him, but he's in there four times. It's great. It's great to see him. Oh. So, yeah. So, if you want to see him live on in CGI form, yeah, uh, check out that ride. But again, comes back to what you said. Like, when you see Stan Lee, you're just like, yeah, it's, that's it's what Stan did. Lee. Yeah, to have him in it's the just... ride was amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool because now you're looking for him like an idiot. But uh, then you see him, and you're like, oh, shit, you're, that's awesome. But um, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, and and uh, uh, he he also he was in the Fantastic Four films as well, and apparently oh, yeah. he yeah, was, that was a great cameo. That was a good and, cameo too. Yeah, and he is a character that he created in that. Yeah, ah, he, he's the mail carrier Willie Lumpkin. Yeah, oh, that's right. Yeah, he was a mail carrier. Yeah, but he was just like he was so genuine in that. Like he's like he was having a ball in that one. It looked like to me. It looked like he was always having a ball in most of his cameos. Even in Deadpool, he's like, hey, I'm in a strip club. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Yeah, you never saw the guy in a bad mood. You never saw him beating a hooker uh, on, on the Hollywood Boulevard. No, or but he, when you saw him, you never looked like he's just, like, phoning it in. He looks like, no, screw he always it. looked I'm, happy to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Even if the movies were bad, he he was never bad. I can't think of one bad Stanley cameo. No, he's, I don't think he's ever done a bad cameo. Um, it's always, like, a joy to see him when he pops yeah. up. Yeah, I mean, uh, just looking very quickly through some of the list of the cameos, he apparently filmed a cameo for Blade, but was, it was deleted. Oh my word! <laughs> wow, I put that back in. Yeah, apparently he he was a a cop that discovers Quinn's burning body at the Vampire Club. Oh, is he in uh, Ghost Rider? Uh, I don't think so. Like looking at the list here, I don't believe he's in that one. Uh, that doesn't seem to be. That. Would be I didn't want to see Stan Lee with Nicholas Cage. <laughs> yeah, that would have been interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean the list here. You've obviously got every MCU. Um, he, he was in Venom. Uh, he was in a bunch of TV shows. He was in X Men, X Men Last Stand, Deadpool, X Men Apocalypse. Did you go? That, did you guys know that he did cameo in one DC film? Really? He did. Yeah. He came of all the movies he cameoed in. He cameoed in the Teen Titans Go movie, and oh. I've never seen the movie, but I've seen the bit. Um, well, essentially, you see Stan Lee, the the cartoon character, just keep popping up in the screens. He's trying to photobomb every one of the scenes, <laughs> and then finally he pops up and goes, "Hey, kid, Stan Lee!" And then he's just like, trying to shill off my Marvel character. He's like, "Oh, this DC wrong film." <laughs> Oh, that's really funny. That I think that's amazing. They got Stan Lee for that. <laughs> yeah, uh, and apparently, and they made a bit out of it. <laughs> yeah, and it. Um, that's not the end of it as well. According to this, he shows up again later, stating he doesn't care if it's a DC movie. He just loves making cameos and shouts Celsius. So, he, <laughs> he, he was is, pimping all the time, even in other properties. He uh, and there. he. Good news for everyone. He has recorded a voiceover for both Ralph Breaks the Internet and Spider-Man oh, Into wow. the Spider-Verse. Oh, there you go, folks. Oh. Yeah, that's two movies coming up very shortly. Stanley yeah. is still alive and well. As I, I'm, I'm really excited for Into the Spider-Verse just just because of the, the idea of it. spoilers. And, and the, um, the animation style of it. Um, oh, yeah. 
I'm so looking forward to that one. I wouldn't be surprised to see a Stanley title card on that one too. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I would I would hope for that one just because Spider-Man is his. Yeah, it's his baby. They'll probably put a thanks Stan or something like that yeah. at the end of it. I, I, I wouldn't lie. If they just put at the end of it just Excelsior and just left it at they that. They might do that. They, I'd yeah, probably still have... probably like tear up like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm sure they will acknowledge that in Spider-Man. Yeah, I'm sure they're already working on that. Um, yeah, his legacy will live on, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> for a long time. No, so, like now – so I've recently been starting to replay uh, Spider-Man, the game. I beat it once, and they have a new game plus mode on it. And there is a cameo with Stan Lee. Nice. And, it, and it's basically him. Do you guys mind me spoiling it? No, no, go ahead. Yeah, I, I know what it is already. So yeah, you go Okay, ahead. so like literally it's – so Peter and MJ are not like together together, but they decide to have lunch together. And Stan Lee's the clerk at the desk. He's like, oh. you two were always my favorite couple. <laughs> and it's just, it's so sincere it's so well done and when i watched it again i kind of teared up because <laughs> it's like oh it's, you know for me it's just like oh it's stan but he's talking about like these two characters that he created and he was always a big champion for mj and and uh peter because like that was his big thing he killed off yeah. gwen stacy and then yeah. he created a character that was helped to console him and to make him better which was mj because wow. I will always remember – some people know MJ as the character that said, face a tiger. You've hit the jackpot. Right. But for me, the iconic moment for Stan writing a great scene is after Gwen Stacy's death, he's like still trying to deal with it. And he's telling everyone, just get out of my face. Get away from me. Don't want to talk to you. Don't want to deal with you. And he even tells MJ to just leave. And the most iconic scene, which everyone will – who's read comics will – recognize why mj is such an important character he tells her to leave she goes to the door and she then shuts the door and says no and that's where the comic ends and then the next comic is her saying you have to deal with your grief but you cannot do it alone that's and that's yeah powerful stuff you know he wrote the death of a character and then helped the character to overcome it yes man paul when when does this air when's this gonna air uh i'll try and get this out middle of next week Oh, mentally. Okay, so by that time, folks, uh, yeah, <laughs> you're already going to miss it. So uh, hopefully on uh, that Black Friday sale uh, no. <laughs> last week, you, you picked up that uh, PlayStation 4 with Spider-Man. It's only $190. Yeah, 200 bucks, guys. So hopefully you got that during Black Friday. Uh, we're recording this before Black Friday, so but Paul's going to be lazy and put but, it out man, now. Hey, so, I, we don't, I, I don't know did, what the did, hell he's did, doing. Excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> hang on. Hang so, on. So I gotta I'm talking this. about the English next week because this is still Sunday, so this is still lo- this oh, week. Oh, okay. Well, all right, well, all right folks. Well, it just does come out by Black Friday. Go pick it up. The Walmart has it. Target has it. Best Buy had a ton of them. One ninety nine if you want to play the Spider-Man game. I think it's a good deal. Yeah, GameStop's got it, And getting Spider-Man. I couldn't, I couldn't wait. I, I tried to go get a physical copy, and I kept going to stores, and, like, people were sold out of it. So I just went, screw it. I went home, and I just bought it off digitally and played it that way. Wow. Yeah, well, if you want a physical copy, we'll be with the, the system. Yeah. Well, that, and that's a, that's a nice tribute, too. So that's awesome. This He's in there. That's really cool. That's, that's it's nice. a great cameo. So for- Yeah. Yeah, that's um, – uh, I – I haven't had a chance to play it yet. I know I will, uh, but I haven't had a chance to play it. But I have a YouTuber that I really enjoy watching who uh, will play through some stuff. And when that game came out, he bought it and then filmed himself playing through the entire game within two days and then put it out as several episodes. And he's fanboying about it the entire time because Spider-Man is kind of his comic book character that he loves the most and when that cameo came up he just stopped talking entirely which is a 
big feat for him. And, <laughs> and they were just like, they put him in it, yes. And it was just phenomenal to, to see. And just the impact from that alone. Like, yeah, it's, it's amazing that Stanley was able to create, create so much and keep it going. You know, some it's people rise to stuff continue into the to inspire. That, I think, if anything, his legacy for me, at the end of the day, will be the not only with the characters he created, but the the inspiration to keep creating. He was always trying to inspire others to be creative, and that's what I will always take away. Like so many comic writers now are always just going to say, like, you know what? He helped to inspire me to be more creative, to keep pushing against the odds, and to keep being innovative. In a medium that where people could easily get into the the monotony, they were always motivated to do something better because he always reminded them always try to push the push the market, push something different, tell the story you want to tell. Absolutely, that's a good way. Yeah, that that's an excellent point. That's an excellent point. Yeah, dude, he's inspiring. I guess inspiring is is what you would. Yeah, think he's when just... you think Stan Lee, inspire whatever creative endeavor, whatever you do, it just even in your job, man. Just to get up and, and do it and do the best job you can and then and keep moving forward in life. I mean, a guy did it till you know he was ninety five years old. We all should be so lucky to be that creative at ninety five. You know, to still have our wits end. <laughs> oh, I'm, I, I know I'm, I'm screwed. But I'm hoping some people out there make it. Uh, and kudos to them if they do. And if Stan Lee's the guy to get you through the fucking day, then that's that's awesome. That's sometimes that's all you need. It's just a comic book or a cameo in a film or just a Spider Man video game. Just something to kind of just move you along. Uh, he, you know, he had, he gave that in spades and he gave it freely of himself. He was very unselfish about that to his fans and his, uh, and his audience. And, uh, we should all aspire, really aspire to be that, to be unselfish in our creativity and, and what we give to the world. So, geez. And uh, yeah, don't quote me on that guys. I'll be in a restroom next week, flushing some piece <laughs> of shit. So don't get used to this. <laughs> Have a moment of, uh, clarity. <laughs> you know, Pete, I think if anything, I know I'm ex fully expecting like there's going to be some expose and they're going to pull up some things, but I still think the legacy he left behind is no matter what is going to be bigger than whatever bad decisions. I don't know if they're going to dig up a lot on that. I don't think no. there's a lot of things, unless like when his wife died, you know, he turned, he got a couple hookers and just uh, had it, which I, 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 wouldn't, I, I wouldn't blame him for that. But I don't think there's no. going to be a lot of dirt. I think there's like some other actors that passed away that you can't really – I don't think that you can say anything bad about him. And like you said, no. if, the, if there is something, it's very minor and it's just not, it's going to be yeah. overshadowed by his legacy. His legacy is just too big, guys. You know, he wasn't an asshole. If he was an asshole and he no. had a legacy, that would be different. But he really wasn't. He was the real deal. Everybody I've talked to have dealt with the guy. Always said he was real and gentle. He wasn't a jackass behind the curtain where the cameras were no. off or anything like that. You never heard anything like that. He was giving – and real and genuine, and that's the most we can hope to be. I mean, and, and still be a public figure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, very hard to do in this day and age, especially in this day and age. Uh, but he did it. He did it to, you know, to his death. So God bless him he for did. that. He did. Yeah. Oh, man. And I, I can't really think of a better way to, to finish that, honestly. It's just, it, anyone got any final thoughts, really, on uh, Stan the Man? Or should we? <laughs> <laughs> the man. I want his sideburns and his uh and his seventies look. Don't forget his sunglasses. Oh yeah, I gotta have the sunglasses too. Yeah, really, and the, and, really and, and the hooker. Very, very Burt Reynolds esque. He yes. did, yeah, it was very Burt. Yeah, that's Burt Reynolds yeah. with his mustache. His mustache, man. That's my him. final thing. When I think of Stanley, that's the image I, I, I think. <laughs> honestly. That's not, it was just a cool, iconic look, and that's and that's the salesman and and the promoter and. And the, and the writer, it's really just, he's a writer, guys. You gotta, when you know, you strip all that away, he's just a guy behind a keyboard, uh, like yes. you know, we all are. So that's that's what I take away is just at the very core, he was he's an inspiring writer. 
if I'm going to take anything away, like my final thought would be just the man who always kept in trying to inspire everyone in the medium and outside the medium. He was always just trying to keep people positive and excited just for a man to come around and just say Excelsior. Such a dumb phrase. I remember the first time I heard Excelsior, like what kind of phrase is that to where now, like I can't help but like get a big grin on my face when I hear Excelsior. Like what kind of, what kind of world we live in? Like that, that, that stupid phrase inspires hope and imagination. And only one man could do that, the stand the man. <laughs> yeah, that, I I can say that watching the MCU, one of my favorite things is always just, okay, who is Stanley going to be this time? Yeah. And so it, it, was, it was always fun just seeing that. And even if it was just, like, say, Guns of the Galaxy Volume 1, he is just a guy talking to... Oh, he's uh, hitting on a young woman? <laughs> talking yeah. to a rather young woman. But, uh, but yeah, they, they were always able to get, get him in. It was always at least just a slight smile whenever you saw him there. So uh, I'm, I'm sad that that's going to be gone eventually, but uh, I I appreciated it being around, and I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing what comes next just from... Like other artists p- picking up his mantle and seeing what they go with in sort of in honor of him and in tribute to him. So. Yeah, you're gonna see a lot of that. My only other hope is that Stan Lee didn't turn out to be another Bill Cosby. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> I hope not, but... Yeah, let's, let's hope nothing comes up comes up like that. No, but so even still, so. don't ruin our don't ruin our love of you. Uh, don't no. Bill, don't Bill Cosby us. But I don't think he will. But no, I'm still coming away with the idea of. At the end of the day, he at 95 years old, the legacy he left behind for kids, generations, or adults, all that. No, I, I don't know many people who can finish that well. We've mentioned it a hundred times here, but it's just crazy to me to think at 95 years old, he was still out there giving people that, that smile that everyone hopes for. So when pe- I, I saw a ton of people. Some people are really sad, but I think at the end of the day, more people are just, you know, people like, you know, get really sad at funerals. I'm seeing more and more people just like, let's just celebrate. Celebrate a man who lived a good and fun life. Yeah, go read a comic. You want to celebrate him? Go read a comic. Go read a comic. That's what he said. Go read a comic. Just, you know, don't, you don't even have to watch anything. Don't forget the movies. You've seen them all. Go pick up a comic, guys. There's a lot of great stories out there, and they are for adults. So don't believe that asshole Bill Maher. There's a lot of great work out there. Go read a comic. There's some great stuff out there. I Bill Long. And let's take it from a guy who came into it at 22. I'm like, I don't know about this, you know, reading it. There are some phenomenal stories. I still remember reading, uh, of all things, a Fantastic Four comic by Jonathan Hickman. I read from – it was 60-plus issues. I read all the way to the end, and I remember turning the last page, and I was bawling my eyes out for how beautiful the story was. I've never been moved in by anything in my life. I've read some stories that kind of stirred me. This story brought me to tears with how beautiful and emotional the storytelling was. It was amazing, and that was from a comic. <laughs> Yeah, and right. one thing that uh, I would say people can probably look for, and I, I think it would be interesting to see, is there's going to be an issue of Deadpool coming out, which will be the issue that they write after Stanley died. Mm-hmm. And Deadpool will be the only character that knows that Stanley has died. So they're mm-hmm. going to do something. There's no way they won't. So, Are you um, sure? I don't think I heard anything about I, that. I, I don't necessarily mean it'll be a big page bread, but there's, they're going, they're clearly going to have Deadpool comment on something about Stanley, I think, so, and I think it'll just be a little thing, but it'll be something that'll be kind of cool, so, 
I wouldn't put it past Scott Young. Scott Young is the current writer on Deadpool. It's like, I can imagine doing something like that. I don't know. Again, like I said, it'll be interesting to see just all the things that come up now. Like, all those little things that, uh, you know, maybe artists were like, well, you know, I kind of want to do this, but I don't know. And now that Dan Lee has died, they're going to be like, you know what? I'm going to do this now. So, yeah, I, I think it'll so, be... Sorry, it's I mean, funny. You, you brought Deadpool and Stanley. Apparently, there's a... I was looking up news... Because I wanted to see what if you were right about it. Apparently, there's this huge uh, petition I just found about people who want the Stanley cameos to be replaced by Deadpool, which I kind of kind of want to see that. Oh yeah, I I saw that. Yeah, <laughs> they, they wanted they wanted to be replaced by Deadpool in his suit with the glasses and a fake mustache. Yes, the mustache. Yeah, I'm all for that. That's awesome, actually. I, that would be a nice tribute. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, de- definitely Ryan Reynolds doing it as well. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. I'd be up for that. Yeah, I think we better leave it there then. So yeah, again, thanks guys for coming on and doing this. It, it was really Thank cool. you. Thanks. It was awesome. Ah, no problem. And uh, yeah, those of you wondering, yes, the next episode will not be a tribute to someone else that has died. We will not be keeping it morbid here. Uh, <laughs> I mean, unless you guys enjoy this, in which case, hell, we'll just scour the obituaries every single week. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> with, with all of this being said, thanks for joining us. And I've been Paul. I've been Pat. I've been Honor. And see you next time. Bye. Excelsior. <laughs> Always one. Always one. <laughs> in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Hang on a minute, lads. I've got a great idea. Uh, Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.